Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. That never goes well, especially in a family. To be envious or jealous of somebody else within the family never works out. Never works out. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Learn to stay just focused. Somebody's doing well within your family. Hey, learn to, hey, good job. Good job. Somebody's suffering within your family, know how to come alongside them. Somebody's getting blessed way more than what you are within your family. Just learn to say, you know what? Hey, praise God for that. It's so easy to be jealous of other people, especially family members. Today, Pastor James will remind you that it's never good to be envious or jealous of other people. Instead, you should be happy for those who are blessed and come alongside those who are hurting and need encouragement. Pastor James will show you an example from Rachel's life of how envy is very destructive. Instead of doing things her own way, Rachel should have prayed and asked God for help. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 29 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. It takes the fourth son for Leah to kind of wake up a little bit and understand that the pursuit that she's on is is just an endless pursuit. Trying to get this man to love her, it's just not going to happen. Verse 35, and she conceived again and bore a son and she said, and said, now, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah which is the kingly line. That's the king tribe. That's where Jesus comes from. Then she stopped bearing. She ceased bearing. So there's a break there. But it takes getting to this fourth son, Judah, where she just, it, it's, it's almost as if you can picture this, where in that moment, she kind of throws up her hands in surrender and says, okay, God, I'm done. I'm done. Everything I'm doing is not working, and and everything that I have to offer to this man is not working. So instead of trying to please him, Lord, I'm just going to praise you. Instead of trying to please him, I'm going to praise you because I'm not getting the results from him that I desire. But Lord, I've acknowledged that you see me and that you hear me, and now I will praise you. I will praise you. It took her son number four to get to that point. The unfortunate side, as we continue reading, is she doesn't stay there. She doesn't stay there. But the battle is on. The battle is on. Between the sisters, sister wives, oh, the fight is on. Oh, it's on. And Rachel is steaming. She is (laughs) upset, to say the least. Verse 1 of chapter 30. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. That never goes well, especially in a family. To be envious or jealous of somebody else within the family never works out. Never works out. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Learn to stay just 
focused. Somebody's doing well within your family, hey, learn to, hey, good job, good job. Somebody's suffering within your family, know how to come alongside them. Somebody's getting blessed way more than what you are within your family, just learn to say, you know what, hey, praise God for that. Praise God for that. You will save yourself a ton of heartache by just saying, hey, Lord, praise God. You know, if you got any extra, send it my way, but praise God for that, right? Like, just don't become envious. Don't become jealous. I mean, there's a reason why uh, that, that sin is just so destructive. She's envying her sister. She says to Jacob, her husband, give me children or else I die. <laughs> like, whoa, that's quite the ultimatum, okay? That, like, man, what a statement um, from your wife who is just so absolutely frustrated because her older sister, who is, is you know, from what we know from the word is, is less attractive than her, is getting all the good. She's, she's having all the babies, and here's Rachel, who's probably had, you know, what, somewhat of a decent life. You know how that kind of works out in, in, in some regards. She's probably never had to really worry about anything in her life. She walks into a restaurant and they, somebody comps her meal. You know, it's kind of that thing. She gets pulled over by a cop and he just waves her on. Like, it's that kind of life probably for her. And for the first time in her life, she's not getting what she wants or what she thinks she deserves. But her sister is. And she's mad. Give me children or I shall die, or I shall die, I, I shall die. Jacob's response, probably not spurred on by love, probably more so an annoyance from, from Rachel and her kind of immature demand here. He goes on to say, arouse, Jacob's anger aroused by, aroused against Rachel. He said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruits of the womb? He's like, I'm sorry, is this something that I can do? I don't think so. He's like, your issue is with God. Take it up with him. It's kind of what he's saying. Again, not a loving thing for a husband to say to his wife, who is clearly distraught because she wants kids. And he's like, not my problem. Talk to God about it. I would encourage you, if you're a husband, to probably never have that response to your wife. Okay, that's not smart, all right? Yeah, sure, you're frustrated. I get it. I get it. But maybe it's time for a family prayer meeting. Maybe it's time for a family repentance meeting where you all gather together and say, hey, listen, this is all kind of messed up, don't you think? I got two of you. I only wanted one. I got two because your dad tricked me. And I'm only here because I tricked my dad. Maybe we just all need to come clean. Maybe we just all need to confess our sin and say, you know what, Lord, please forgive us. Maybe we should do that, but he's not a spiritual leader in his house. Yes, he's had a meeting with God. Yes, his life has been changed by God. He's not walking with the limp yet, though. He's not walking with the limp. That story's going to happen where his life gets changed dramatically, where he wrestles with God, and from then on, it seems as though he kind of grows up a little bit. He mans up, so to speak, spiritually. So yeah, he's had this tremendous encounter with God with the, the ladder from heaven and seeing the angels ascending and descending from there. But here's Jacob. He's probably just so frustrated because he's like, man, I worked seven years for one of you, and now I'm working an additional seven years for both of you. And I'm not getting paid. I'm not getting paid anything. So you can understand the frustration that's there on his side of it, and there's frustration on Rachel's side of it, and there's frustration on Leah's side of it. These are all real people 
real people, real people handling this like I would, like I would. But at some point in time, somebody's got to step up and say, you know what, what's the right thing to do? What's the right thing to do? Stop and pray. Just stop and pray. If, if your sin has got you in this position, and it has, then maybe it's time to stop and say, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Because I don't need my kids being named the names they're going to get after this point in time. Because it's just, it's nonsense from here on out. It's just crazy. His anger is kindled. He's, he's kind of spouting off at her. Her solution to the problem, found in verse 3, so she said, here is my maid, Bilhah, I believe is how you say her name, go into her, and she will bear a child on my knees that I may also, or that I also may have children by her. Now, this is the point in time when I'm studying this where I had to step away from my Bible and be like, oh my goodness, um, what? Like, no, to bear a child on, on her behalf or on her knees, there's two thoughts behind that, and not to weird you out or anything, but just so you can understand what is going on in their brains. So it's as if Bilhah would be there laying against Rachel's knees as her husband had sex with her. That's what that's, that's, there's one thought that that's what that's talking about. The other thought is that Rachel would be, her maid would be on her knees as she's giving birth to the child. Both are probably true. But again, the first scenario, you're like, are you kidding me? You're kidding me, right? Like, we would go that far. We're going that far. We're, we're that desperate to where she, She's like, listen, you're my husband. Here's my maidservant. Now, this was customary in that day when a, a woman couldn't have kids. And, and this was, in one sense, this is a way of saying the child that is born is not the maidservants. She belongs to the wife. The child will belong to the wife. So this was customary in that day. But this should just give us a really good indication of where they're at, where they're willing to do this. They're willing to go to that length where it's like, okay, I'll be in the room present with you. Not only that, but I'll be holding this lady as you impregnate her. Are you kidding me? We're willing to go that far. Yeah, because we're that desperate. Because envy and jealousy will drive you down roads you never plan to go down. Family history. Jacob's like, yeah, I think my grandma and my grandpa did that. Yeah, I remember something about that. That worked out well for him, didn't it? No, it didn't. No, you should have learned from their mistake, but you didn't. He's just probably trying to appease his wife. And again, here's Jacob. Oh, another lady? Okay. He's got no problem. There's no problem going, having relations with another lady. You're kidding me, right? But that's, this is what's going on with this family. Here's my servant Bilhah, go into her that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. Verse 4, so she gave him her servant Bilhah as, as a wife. Then that's not technically, he's not married to her. So please understand that. He doesn't end up with four wives at the end of the story. Um, but she's just a vessel. That's all she is. That's all she matters. She's just a vessel to provide children. That's it. Um, Side note, praise God for Jesus when he comes in and sets things straight in our world and gives proper value to women in this world. 
Because trust me, it was really only Jesus who, ever, who actually stood up and said, you know what? Um, in my family, Christians, brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter. Jew, Gentile, man, woman, it doesn't matter. That's nonsense. That you would put more value on one person simply because his chromosomes are different from yours, that's nonsense. But unfortunately... At this point in time, this is kind of how it was. We'll even see that with um, a daughter going to be born. And that even that her name is mentioned is a miracle in and of itself because nobody cared when a daughter was born. So during this, I, I want you to envision this, during the time when, these, when it was time for the, the babies to be born, there was a party waiting at the house, waiting for it. Baby comes out. What is it? It's a boy. Celebration. There's a party. It's a celebration. It's a girl. They pack their stuff and they leave. There's no celebration. You're like, what? That's, that's crazy. It's sad. That's sad. Jesus changed all that. Jesus changed all that. So there's Bilhah. There's her maid. She, so she gave him and Jacob went into her. Uh, verse 5 And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. God has judged my case. And he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. So here's, she's, my goodness. Um, So she brings her maidservant into this as a solution. And she says, ha, take that, Leah, in your face. God has blessed me. God's vindicated me. What do you think about that? Like she's, this isn't really like a, hey, praise God for this new life that was born. That's not what it's saying. What she's saying is she really is just kind of like bringing God into the story, so to speak, of like, see, see, Leah, what's up now? One for me, one for me. And I'm the more important one, so one might as well count as two. One might as well. See, God's on my side. What do you think about that, Leah? It's... It's really kind of gross what's going on here between these two sisters. She's going to have another kid. Rachel's servant, Bilhah, she's going to have another one. Uh, Verse 7, Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister. And indeed, I have prevailed. You've only had two kids. And you haven't actually even had them. Your maidservant has. And she indicates perfectly what's going on inside of her heart. What's going on inside of her heart is she's in battle with her sister. And she names her kid Wrestling. Wrestling. That's what you want to name. You want to name, you want to name your kid WWE? Like, what? Like, what is wrong with you? Wrestling? Wrestling, as we say in the South, like, are you kidding me? You want this kid to be known forever, forever. This, is a fa- this was a fight between me and my sister. This kid represents a fight between me and my sister. That's what his name means. That's what he'll carry with him. That will also serve as a reminder for the children of Israel as they are journeying out of Israel and they're gonna, or out of Egypt and occupying the land, and there will be fighting going on between them. And it's in one sense the Lord saying, like, hey, apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Like, this is your heritage. This is where you guys have come from. 
with wrestling, mighty wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and, and really should say, and I have prevailed. Victory is mine. So sad. So sad. His name is Naphtali, is what she named him. Or you see that, you just know it from now on as wrestling. Crazy. That is so crazy. Scene's going to shift. All these babies are popping out. I mean, this is like, we're, we're talking like in succession here. I mean, these, these babies are just coming out. Like, I mean, Leah's, the idea is that, I mean, that's like the four babies were born consecutively. Like, as soon as possible, boom, 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 four babies. Then Bilhah, oh, two babies. Okay, now they're on the scene. And then, I mean, and it's just, they're going to keep coming because you got 12. We're, we're going to be talking about 12 here. But so we're halfway there. We're halfway there. And and it's not getting any better. It's not getting any better at all. Verse 9, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and she gave her to Jacob as a wife. Now, again, he doesn't technically marry this lady. This is just another person, another woman for him to sleep with and to have more babies by. Because she's like, well, I got four, and now she's got two, and it seems like her more important than mine. So maybe I should start, and I'm not having any more kids. So obviously the relations are still happening. But I'm not, the Lord's kind of closed my womb, so um, I, need to up the, I need to up the ante a little bit. I need some more kids. Hey, maidservant, maid, Zupa, get in here. Um, that's my husband. You guys, let's do what's, let's do what's done. And let's have some more babies. And this is what happens. So she gives Zilpah to Jacob as a wife. Verse 10, Leah's made Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, a troop comes. Here comes the troop, <laughs> right? Like good or another translation is fortune. Um, really, the idea is probably more heavily upon troop in the sense because now she is she is multiplying hers. And so she is identifying the fact that like, yeah, Rachel, um, I got way more than you. I, I got a troop and there's more to come. And there would be more to come for sure. But that's what she names it, Gad. That's his name. Good fortune has come. Or the other way, uh, a troop has come. If you got to name your kid a troop, just to indicate the fact that you have lots of kids. I mean, it may be time to stop and say, like, should I be having more children? Like, but you're, you got an army now. Like, okay, slow down. Slow down. We're, we're gone off track. Totally off track. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. So another son by the maid. And Leah said, happy am I. Sorry about that. For women have called me happy. Or blessed am I. For women have called me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Now, here's a good, see, see how far this has kind of gone from her. From Judah, I will praise God to like, oh, the troop is coming. The saints are marching in. Here they come, right? Like more kids, here they come. And then this indication, I'm happy because now other ladies will be happy for me. Well, that's not how it should be. That's not at all how it should be, Leah. How did you go from, I will praise God to like, well, my happiness is totally dependent upon not just my husband, and hopefully one day he'll love me, but actually upon how other people think about me. That's never, you should never name your kid based on that, okay? You shouldn't have kids to try to like impress people. That's not a good idea. That's, that's unfortunate for the kid, but here she is. I, listen, I'm happy because the ladies are 
telling me that I'm blessed because I have so many kids. That, so they think highly of me, so that kind of makes me feel good. Well, what happens when they stop talking about you? What happens when they stop praising you for how many kids you have? What happens when your kids get bigger and they're running around like wild kids and they're causing all kinds of problems and those, those thoughts of expressions of happiness are like, hey, can you do something with your kids? Because they're all over. What, what happens then? What happens then? You can't, you, you just can't base it all upon circumstances. But that's how she's living her life. And she ends up with Asher because of that, she's, it's happy. I got happy. <laughs> Verse 14, in the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben went and found uh, mandrakes or love apples, as they're known, okay? These, uh, these little roots things that they will sometimes come across. The mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother, Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Now, these are thought to be an aphrodisiac to a certain extent, but also there's uh, some myths or some legend connected to these things that, well, they'll make you fertile. And so you eat these things and, and they'll, they'll solve your problem. You can't have kids? Well, just eat some love apples. Solution. There you go. You're, you're good to go. So... Rachel goes to her older sister and is like, hey, give me your son's love apples, okay? Give me those things. And she's, it's not as if she's asking for them. She's like demanding them from her sister. Because remember, she's the chosen wife. And Leah is nothing more than, she's no different than Bilhah and Zilpah, okay? She's no different. In their eyes, she's no different than those ladies. Give me those mandrakes, and Leah responds to her, verse 15, uh, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Well, okay, but she didn't really do that. But your dad, remember your dad in the story? You remember how he put you in her place? And then, and then he's the one who agreed to give Rachel to your husband, Jacob, probably the next night. But Leah, you can tell that there is a, a little bit of a root of bitterness there on her end concerning all this. Is it no small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? Jeez, Rachel, you got my husband. Now you want my son's mandrakes. What else do you want? You have it all. You have it all. You're just going to take away everything. Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. So they make a deal. They bargain for Jacob that night over some love apples. This is so messed up. This gives us an indication that somehow Leah has kind of been maybe booted off to her own tent. Like she doesn't really, she probably doesn't get to see Jacob that much. And and maybe that their, their evenings together has kind of stopped. Maybe that's why she hasn't been having more children. We don't know, but... They strike a bargain. Rachel's like, okay, okay, okay. I'll make a deal with you. I'll give you Jacob for tonight. You give me the mandrakes. Deal. Shake on it. And they, made, they came with this, this, this arrangement, this agreement. Jacob has no problems with this at all. Genesis is the beginning of it all. Not just the Bible, but life as a whole. 
God detailed his creation story in the first few chapters of this book, and then went on to reveal his power and glory in the following pages. We learn who he is through this book, what's important to him, and how he expects us to follow him. We're so glad you tuned in today for Bread for the Broken to learn from Genesis, and we hope you'll return for our next edition. If you'd like to listen to other messages from this series, visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd also like to invite you to come meet us in person at Calvary Galveston. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. to spend time worshiping God, reading verse by verse through the Bible, and getting to know each other better. When you visit, be sure to find Pastor James and shake his hand. Let him know that you heard him right here on Bread for the Broken. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask for your help. Would you partner with us in prayer? Bread for the Broken is a ministry, and in a way, a mission field. We're reaching people for Jesus through a different kind of medium. And therefore, we need to make sure Jesus is our focus. Would you pray for Pastor James and the team that puts Bread for the Broken together? Pray that we'd all keep our eyes fixed on our Savior and be willing to follow Him no matter where He leads. Thanks for lifting us up in prayer before the Lord. Know that we too are praying for you each day. And thanks for tuning in today to Pastor James' message on Bread for the Broken. We pray that you find hope and new life in Jesus.